Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. Um, for those of you that I haven't met before, my name is Daniel, and I am the pastor here. Uh, glad that you've tuned in to worship today. Uh, we are continuing our sermon series called Asking for a Friend. And in this sermon series, we're looking at several big, important questions that people in the church often have, but we're not always sure when to ask or, or how to ask these questions. And we hope that this series will uh, create some space for conversation around this stuff. Stuff, but, uh, but also just to provide some guidance about how we can approach these topics from the perspective of the kind of inclusive Christian faith that we try to be about here at uh, Kindred Church. And today uh, we are talking about um, the Bible and LGBT plus inclusion, the Bible and LGBT plus inclusion, specifically um, how do we think about how do we interpret what the Bible has to say about homosexuality? Now, uh, before I go any further here, I want to lift up several very important caveats, and I want to say some uh, important things up front, because I know that this topic is just very, very personal to, to many of us for a whole lot of different reasons. I also know that, that some of you tuning into this, you may be carrying scars from a time in your past when some preacher got up and, and preached about homosexuality. Uh, so I know that this is a sensitive subject, and, and I want to clarify a, a few things up front. Uh, first thing to say up front is that I think many of you know this, but Kindred is an affirming church. We're an LGBT affirming church. And, and what that means is that we don't condemn homosexuality here, and we fully include LGBT plus folks uh, in the life of our church and, and also in the leadership of our, our church. That's what I mean by that word affirming. Uh, this also means that if you identify as LGBT plus, we don't see you as a problem to be solved. We don't see you as an issue. Now, in the sermon today, we are going to talk about some issues of, of biblical interpretation, uh, but you yourself are not an issue or, or a problem. You're a blessing. You're a gift, and, and we want you to know that. Um, second thing to say up front is about this word homosexuality itself. Uh, I'm told that some folks in the, the LGBT plus community uh, find that word outdated and even in some cases uh, offensive. I certainly mean no offense as I use that word. Um, not at all. If I've already offended you, I apologize for that. Uh, but that word homosexuality, does uh, that, that's how this appears in many modern translations of the, the Bible. And since we're talking about the Bible and, and how we think about this in relation to the Bible, uh, I am I'm going to be using that word throughout the sermon, but again, uh, please understand that, that I mean no offense uh, whatsoever. Um, third thing to say up front is that we at Kindred are a United Methodist community. We're part of the United Methodist denomination, and uh, officially at the denominational level, the United Methodist Church still condemns homosexuality uh, as, quote, incompatible with Christian teaching. Unquote. However, and this is so important, here at Kindred, uh, we are part of a movement within the Methodist Church that is breaking away from that traditional stance, and we're in the process of affiliating ourselves with a more inclusive expression of the, the Methodist Church. I won't go into all the details of that right now, but if you want details about that, let me know and, and I can get those uh, to you. 
Uh, fourth thing to say up front here is that I have about 25-ish minutes, give or take, for this sermon. We're not going to be able to scratch the surface of all the things that could be said and even should be said about homosexuality and, uh, and the Bible. One of the hardest parts of writing the sermon this week was just trying to keep it from being six hours long. Uh, so please know there's more than we could possibly cover today. And as with all the sermons in this series, if you want to learn more, if you have specific follow-up questions, uh, please reach out to, to me and we can absolutely continue the the conversation. Uh, final thing to say up front here is that I would just ask for your grace uh, as you listen to this and, and as we get into it. Uh, this is one of those topics because it is so sensitive that it would be easier in some ways to just not talk about uh, in, a, in a sermon. But I think it's better that we take the risk of talking about this stuff rather than, than simply avoiding it. And as your pastor, uh, I'm just not really doing my job if I'm constantly sidestepping uh, sensitive subjects. It's part of my job to help us to think about sensitive subjects and, uh, and to guide us um, in that as, as best I can. So as, as we go through this, I may say something that you disagree with. I may leave out something that you wish I would have said. Again, I hope that you'll extend me grace and we can absolutely continue the, the conversation uh, outside of this setting. Um, this, as with all the sermons in this series, not meant to be the final word on, on any of this, but to, to spark a conversation and, um, and, and to just give some, some guidance. So I hope that you'll find this, uh, this helpful. Uh, having said all of that, uh, let's take a look at our scripture for today, which is from Acts uh, chapter 8. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 39. It says this, An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Uh, Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while he was sitting in his carriage. And the spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Uh, running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture that he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me. About whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Uh, starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to uh, talk about the Bible and homosexuality as a part of this sermon series is because of something that one of our church members recently told me. She said uh, back at Thanksgiving, she had gotten together with her extended family and she has this one uncle who is much more conservative than she is. And so she tries to avoid subjects like 
politics and religion when she's talking to her uncle, but somehow at Thanksgiving, they got to talking about church. And I guess her uncle had somehow found out that she was involved with us here at Kindred, and uh, he had found out, I guess through our website or something, that, that we're an affirming church. And she was telling me that he just started like peppering her with all these questions about, you know, how can you go to a church that's affirming? And, you know, don't you, doesn't your church care about the Bible? And, and the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality and just on and on like this. And as this woman was telling me about this, she said, you know, honestly, I didn't know exactly what to say and I didn't know exactly what to think, she said. Because she said, you know, I certainly disagree with, with my uncle's perspective, uh, but, but she said, I wasn't sure how to, to address this, this about the Bible, you know, that the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality. I wasn't sure what to say. How do we respond to that argument? Uh, as she was telling me the story and, and asking me that question, uh, it caused me to think about our church Instagram, actually. Um, uh, you may not know this, but uh, there's a bunch of people on the internet who uh, just feel the need to, to take it upon themselves to send us these direct messages, these DMs uh, to our Instagram account that tell us why it's wrong that we are affirming. Uh, some of these messages are, are kind of mean-spirited, honestly. You know, they tell us that we're stupid and we are caving into culture and we're leading people to hell and stuff like that. Uh, other times the messages are, are more friendly and they're kind of like open to a dialogue. You know, you can tell they're, they're a bit more well-meaning. Uh, but, but what all these messages have in common is that a lot like this woman's uncle, uh, they, they all invoke the Bible and they make this same argument that the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality. So, uh, as a church at Kindred that is affirming, and for many of us as individual Christians who are affirming, uh, how do we respond to this? And, and what do we say to this argument that the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality? That, that's really the big question that I want to try to speak to uh, this, this morning. Uh, now, there are some kinds of affirming Christians who would say here, well, uh, you, you know, just, just forget the Bible. Uh, they would say, uh, I, I just know that it's right in my heart to be affirming. And if that contradicts the Bible, well, then I don't care. You know, for, forget, forget the Bible. And for folks who say that, I, I get where they're coming from. I, I really do. But as your pastor, I just got to caution us against that approach. Because the truth is, as Christians, we need the Bible. We need the Bible. This is actually something that we hold in common with uh, more conservative types of, of Christians and more traditionalist types of, of Christians. Uh, we need the, the Bible. We don't always have to interpret the Bible literally. We don't always have to interpret the Bible in the way that other Christians do, but we should always take the Bible seriously. Uh, without getting into a whole other sermon on this subject, I do just want to give you one quick reason why it's so important that we hang on and, and uh, stick to the, the Bible. Uh, and that is that we humans, we have this tendency to try to make God in our image. Uh, there's this old preacher joke about how in the beginning God made human beings in God's image, and we've been trying to return the favor uh, ever, ever since. Uh, we, we have this tendency to think that God looks just like me, and God thinks just like me, and God is always on my side. I mean, just think in this country about how many people are convinced that God is a Republican, just like them, or how many people are convinced that God is a Democrat, just like them. It gets kind of absurd sometimes when we catch other people doing it, but the truth is we, we all do it in different ways. It's, it's human nature. But when we try to make God in, in our image, uh, even if we're doing it unconsciously, sometimes especially when we're doing it unconsciously, it can become really, really harmful because we can start invoking God 
to justify things that God is actually against. And history is just full of countless examples of how harmful that can be. So we need scripture to help us cut through all of that. We need scripture to help us see God more clearly as God really is and not just how we want God to be. We, we need scripture to help us to see what it is that God wants for us, not just what we want God to want for us. Uh, we'll talk about this more in another sermon another time, but it just never ends well when, when Christians ignore the Bible or, or ignore parts of the, the Bible. Uh, and here's really what I want us to see for this morning, and that is that uh, contrary to what many of us have been told, uh, contrary to what this woman's uncle tried to tell her, contrary to what a lot of our church Instagram account DMs uh, try to, to tell us, uh, we affirming Christians, we don't have to concede the Bible. Uh, we don't have to accept this argument that the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality. We can be faithful to the Bible and we can be affirming at the same time. And in fact, in our view, the Bible actually affirms us in being affirming. In our view, the Bible actually affirms us in being affirming. Now, having said that, uh, we can acknowledge that there are a few verses, not many, but there are a few verses that if you take them at face value, if, if you interpret them very literally, they do seem to condemn homosexuality. Uh, when you start to, to dig into those verses, when you dig into the original language, when you dig into the literary context, when you dig into the cultural context, th then actually um, this argument that the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality, it starts to get really, really flimsy. And by contrast, there are a whole lot of scriptures that may not reference homosexuality explicitly, but they do lead us to be affirming. They do lead us to be affirming. So for the rest of this sermon, uh, I am not going to go through and unpack all the references to scripture in, uh, or all the references to homosexuality rather in, in scripture. We don't have time for that. If you're interested in that kind of a Bible study, uh, there's some resources that I can send you. Just uh, reach out to, to me and I'll, I'll get those to you. Uh, but instead of doing that, for the rest of this sermon, uh, I, I just want to lift up one example, and there are others, but I want to lift up one example uh, of how the Bible affirms us in being affirming how the Bible affirms us in being affirming. And to do that, I want us to spend a few minutes taking a good close look at this story in Acts chapter 8. This is a beautiful story, an important story. It's one that I think tends to get overlooked a lot in the church, and that's really unfortunate. So let's spend a few minutes exploring this story and doing a little Bible study on it. At the beginning of this passage in Acts chapter 8, the story begins with this guy named Philip. Uh, who in the world is Philip? Well, Philip was one of Jesus' first followers. And by this point, when we meet him in chapter 8 of Acts, uh, Philip has become a leader in the early church. The, the story takes place uh, not long after Jesus' resurrection and, and Jesus' uh, ascent back into heaven. And at this point, that the Christian faith is, is brand new. Uh, Philip was one of the leaders in the, the early church, and, and we know that Philip, uh, like virtually all the other Christians at this point, was Jewish. Um, Acts, the, the book of Acts, it, it tells us the story of how the Christian faith eventually be, began to start spreading out to uh, non-Jews, that is to, to Gentiles. And that spread uh, raised a lot of cultural challenges for the church. It raised some theological and, and practical challenges that the church would have to, to navigate. Um, but at this point, at the beginning of this story in Acts chapter 8, virtually all Christians were ethnically Jewish. 
Well, one day, uh, Philip is hanging out in the capital city of Jerusalem, and we don't know what he was doing, but an angel comes to Philip, and this angel says to him, hey, Philip, I need you to walk down this particular road. And this road was one that led out of the city of Jerusalem uh, out into the desert. And Philip doesn't know why he's being asked to, to do this, but he, he follows instructions and he starts walking down this road. Well, after a while, um, Philip comes up on this traveler who is going in the same direction that he is. Uh, and it turns out, we're told, that this traveler is an Ethiopian. This is an Ethiopian. Now let's pause the story real, real quick so I can give you some, some background about what this means. Uh, because he's an Ethiopian, we know that this traveler is not ethnically Jewish, uh, but we're told that he does worship the Jewish God. And in fact, apparently he was so devout that he had made this journey all the way from his home in, in Ethiopia, all the way to Jerusalem so that he could worship in the, the Jewish temple. But here's what we know. Because he wasn't ethnically Jewish, there were certain parts of the temple where he could not go. There, was, there were parts of the temple uh, where non-Jews, that, that is Gentiles, could, could worship. Um, but there were certain parts of the temple where only ethnic Jews uh, were allowed to, to go. So because he's an Ethiopian, uh, we know that this guy was an, an outsider uh, in that sense. But we also learn that that's not the only way that this traveler is an outsider, because we're also told that this Ethiopian is a eunuch. He's a eunuch. What does that mean? Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, eunuch is, uh, that's a man who has had their male parts removed. Um, he was, we're told, a, a servant of the queen of Ethiopia, and oftentimes in the ancient world, uh, male servants of a queen would be made eunuchs. That way, nobody had to worry about them and the queen uh, becoming involved in an in in inappropriate way. Uh, so why does it matter that this guy is a, a eunuch? Well, there's several reasons. Uh, for one thing, it matters because this is an, an example uh, in the Bible of someone whose gender and someone whose sexuality don't necessarily conform to, to the typical uh, binary categories, at least not in a, a neat kind of a way. This is an example of someone in the Bible who's a minority in terms of their gender and in terms of their, their sexual uh, identity. Uh, another reason that, that it matters that this guy is a, a eunuch is because according to the book of Deuteronomy, which is a book in the, the Old Testament, according to Deuteronomy, uh, eunuchs are actually uh, not fully to be included in the community of faith. And there's a very specific verse uh, about eunuchs. This is in uh, Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. You can look this up if you want to. Deuteronomy 23, 1 says this, No man whose male parts, it actually goes into graphic detail, but I'm paraphrasing that, uh, no man whose male parts have been crushed or cut off can belong to the Lord's assembly. That is a eunuch, right? They, they, they can't belong to the Lord's assembly, it says in Deuteronomy. Now, a quick point about that word assembly. That word that gets translated as assembly in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that's actually the very same word that gets translated as church. Uh, so a literal translation of this, and, and you know, at, at the time of Philip, uh, when, when he would have been reading scripture, he certainly could have read the, the verse this way. Uh, it, it could have just as easily been understood to say that no man whose male parts have been crushed or cut off can belong to the Lord's church. Uh, we'll come back to that in, in just a minute. 
back to the story. Uh, so Philip, you know, he's walking along this, this desert road, doesn't exactly know why he's out there. Uh, he comes up on this Ethiopian eunuch. And as a servant of the queen, this Ethiopian eunuch had some wealth, and uh, apparently he was wealthy enough that he could ride in a, a carriage. He didn't have to walk down the road. He was, he was in a carriage. <clears throat> well, uh, as Philip comes up on this carriage, uh, he, he hears something unexpected, and that is that this Ethiopian is actually reading Scripture out loud as he rides along. So apparently, uh, he was still very devoted to God, despite this experience of exclusion that he must have just had in the, in the Jerusalem temple. Well, we don't know what Philip thought about this, but we're told that then the Holy Spirit tells Philip to actually go up and start a conversation with this Ethiopian. Uh, so Philip does, he goes, he strikes up a, a conversation, and then the Ethiopian ends up inviting Philip to, to hop in the carriage. He says, you know, hey, we're, we're going the same way, let's ride together and, and, and talk. And uh, they get to talking, they have this long conversation. Philip ends up telling the Ethiopian all about Jesus. And after a long conversation, the Ethiopian actually comes to believe in Jesus. Pretty amazing turn of events there. Now, uh, here is the moment of truth for Philip. Here's the moment of truth. Because even though they're out in the middle of this desert, suddenly, miraculously, they come up on this small body of water. And by this point in the story, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he is all in on Jesus. And he is ready to, to fully be a part of the church. So they come up on this unexpected body of water. And the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip and he says, Hey, Philip, what, what's to prevent me from being baptized? What's to prevent me from, from being baptized? And we can imagine in this moment, Philip is thinking, what, what's to prevent you? Well, Deuteronomy 23.1, for, for starters, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to tell this guy about Jesus, but, but it's another to, to baptize him, to, to fully include him in the church in this way, right? I mean, it, not only was he not Jewish, this Ethiopian, right? When at this time, virtually all other Christians were Jewish, but, but he was a eunuch, right? And the, the Bible was clear on this. And so in this moment, what we see is that Philip has a choice to make. And he, he could have said to the, to the Ethiopian, no, no, sorry, uh, that the full inclusion is, is just not for someone like you. And if Philip had said that, he would have had a Bible verse to point to, to back him up. But that's not what Philip does here. That's not what he does. And why? Why? Well, because it was so clear it was so clear that God wanted this Ethiopian eunuch to be baptized. God wanted this Ethiopian eunuch to be fully included in the church. This wasn't Philip's idea. This was God's idea. Remember, it was the angel who told Philip to walk down this road at this particular time. It was the Holy Spirit who told Philip to go and talk to this Ethiopian right? Uh, it was God who miraculously provided water in the middle of a desert and prompted the Ethiopian to ask to be baptized. God wanted the Ethiopian eunuch to be baptized, and Philip knew it. And so in this moment, Philip decides that he is not going to apply Deuteronomy 23.1 literally. He decides he's not going to apply that verse literally here because to do that would actually be against God's will. To apply that verse literally would actually be unfaithful to God. So Philip hops out of the carriage 
And he takes the, the Ethiopian down into this water. And he says to this Ethiopian eunuch, welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. And he baptizes his newest sibling in Christ. Now, now what does all this have to do with the Bible and, and LGBT plus uh, inclusion? Here, here's what I want us to see. Uh, in this story, the Bible itself is showing us that there are some scriptures that when we apply them literally, that's actually contrary to God's desires. In this story, the Bible itself is showing us that there are some scriptures that, that when we apply them literally, that's actually harmful. It's actually wrong. It's actually unfaithful to God. Let me say this one more time because I just want to be so clear uh, about this. In this story, the Bible itself is showing us that there are some scriptures that when we apply them literally, that's actually contrary to God's desires. Now, as Christians, we can, we can debate which scriptures fall into this category and, and which don't. But just as a quick side note here, uh, virtually all kinds of Christians agree that this category exists. And, and I'll give you a, a, an example. Uh, you know, there are some scriptures that on a literal level, they seem to condone slavery. And tragically, it took the church centuries to figure this out. But thankfully, today, virtually all Christians would agree that to uh, apply those verses that seem to condone slavery literally, that that would be harmful and, and unfaithful to God, right? So virtually all Christians agree that, that this category of scriptures does exist. And, and my point here this morning is simply that one reason that we're affirming at Kindred is because we believe that those few scriptures that, that would seem to condemn homosexuality, that those scriptures fall into this same category. That when we apply those condemnations literally, it, it's harmful and it's wrong and it's actually contrary to God's desires. So I hope you see here that this, this is not us dodging scripture. This is not us just going along with culture. Uh, th th this is not us ignoring scriptures that we just personally don't like, but, but this is us being faithful to scripture. Uh, this is us interpreting scripture the way that scripture itself teaches us to interpret scripture. That, that just like we see Philip doing in this story, this is us choosing to take the Bible seriously without taking every verse Literally, just like Philip, taking the Bible seriously without taking every verse literally. Now, as I said at the beginning of the sermon, uh, so much more could be said about all of this. So much more should be said uh, about all of this. We can absolutely continue this conversation in, in other ways. I know I'm already running uh, long here. So let me just end with this final point. And uh, I know that what I'm getting ready to say is not a popular perspective, uh, but, but I want to I say it anyways. Uh, as an affirming church at Kindred, and for many of us as uh, affirming Christians, uh, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to, to try to show love to, to people who disagree with us on this. 
I want to challenge us to, to try to show love to those other kinds of, of Christians who criticize us, uh, who tell us that, that we don't take the Bible seriously, who tell us even that, you know, we're going to hell, and we're leading other people to, to hell and, and stuff like that. You know, it's so easy for us to, to hate people who seem to hate us, right? It's so easy for us to, to start hating people even who, who disagree with us. And I know it's easy for me to say this as a, a straight guy. I know that I don't carry the same pain and the same scars around this that, that I know some of you carry, but, but I just hear Jesus reminding us that even these other types of Christians who would, who would criticize us, they are still our brothers and our sisters and our siblings in Christ, right? And, and Jesus calls us not, not to fight hate with more, with more hate, but Jesus calls us to resist hate with love to resist hate with love. This world doesn't need more people hating each other. This world doesn't need more people attacking each other, right? But, but what this world needs to see is another way. This world needs to see love conquering hate. And so as, as we continue uh, proudly to, to be LGBT affirming here at Kindred, uh, let's be passionate about that. Let's get angry at injustice as we should. Let, let's continue to oppose injustice as we absolutely should. But as we do all of that, let's remember our motivation. Let's remember our highest calling. That we're not to, to stoop to the level of hate, even when we feel like we're receiving hate. But, but that our calling is always, always, always to strive for love. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving and merciful and, and compassionate God, uh, we thank you for your love, your love that is so radical, your love that is so expansive, God. Uh, it includes all kinds of people. Uh, it, it pushes the church and, and challenges the, the church to, to keep up with how expansive your love is. God, we're so grateful for that. God, we're grateful for the gift of Scripture and the way that Scripture helps us to see who you are, the way that Scripture helps to reveal your heart to us. We're thankful for the way that Scripture helps us to, to cut through uh, all the, the biases and the, the prejudices that, that we might have uh, about who you are. And it helps us to resist those ways that we're so tempted at times to, to try to make you into the God that we want you to be instead of the God that you really are and the God that we need you to be. So we're grateful for scripture. At the same time, God, this morning, uh, we lament the fact that so often scripture has been misused. It's been misunderstood. It's been misapplied in, in ways that have hurt people deeply, Lord. We, we, we repent of that. And specifically this morning, Lord, we, we lift up our brothers and our sisters and our, our siblings in the LGBT plus community. Um, God, help them to know that just as much as any of us, they, they are your beloved children and that you've given them gifts, and that they are a blessing. God, we, we pray especially for our LGBT plus friends who have been harmed by the church in different ways. Uh, Lord, where there are wounds, we pray for healing. And we pray that at Kindred Church, uh, we would be a place and, and we would be an agent of that healing, God. Uh, keep giving us the guidance that we need, Lord. Uh, keep giving us the, the wisdom to know how to read scripture well, to, to understand who you are truly so that we can share your love as fully as we can, as clearly as we can in this world uh, around us, God. Uh, we thank you for all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do for us, God. And we pray all of this in the name of your son. Amen.
listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.